Howdy. I don't think I ever opened up with howdy. I love howdy. You know what else I like? I like, nobody says this. I got this from cowboy movies, I think, or westerns. And that is when, uh, instead of saying thank you, you anybody here know I got people surrounding, you know, or helping uh, film this. You know, what do they say in westerns instead of thank you? I wonder if you'll recognize it. Much obliged. Oh, yeah. I am crazy about that saying. Every so often, my wife will do something for me. I go, much obliged. She thinks I'm nuts, but I love it. I, I just get a big kick. So that's along with Howdy. That's the cowboy in me. And you, you know, when you grow up in New York City, there's not much of a cowboy in you. But you got it from the movies. Anyway, I'm Dennis Prager. Welcome to my home. Uh, just about every week, uh, I have a fireside chat with you. It's completely non-scripted, which sometimes becomes very obvious. But uh, we take our risks. I'm going to talk to you. I always open up on a, some subject and then take your questions. So here's an interesting subject. And I chose the right adjective for the subject. And the subject is being interesting. I don't think people give enough credit to how important it is to be interesting. So I want to give you a, uh, a few examples. When I was uh, single, I first married at uh, 32, the age of 32. So I was single my all my 20s, and I went on a lot of dates. Does everybody know what dates are? Do young 25-year-olds go on dates today, or is it like a, a dead word? Yeah? All right. I mean, what else would you call it? Right? A date. Yeah. So, like every other single person who goes on dates, every so often, the date is boring. Right? Let's be honest. It, it happens to everybody. Now, I did a very interesting thing with the subject of boring dates. Instead of sitting there and waiting for it to end and just going crazy until it did, this is what I did. I decided that I would make a study of boring. I decided, instead of wasting my time and just waiting for the evening to end, I would try to figure out why this person, and I, I dated women, why this woman that, and I, I would do it, I, I didn't have a one-on-one -on -one date with men generally, uh, so I met boring men just as much, but not on a date. Anyway, why were they boring? This So it, it ended up making the date incredibly interesting for me because the whole time I was analyzing, why am I finding this person boring? Could be a very nice human being. Uh, it does, it's not a statement of, of anything else other than why is this person not interesting? And I, I came to two conclusions. This is not the only conclusions on the subject, but two conclusions about boring dates or about people I found boring on dates. One was they weren't passionate about anything. Passionate about something, I don't mean irrational. I mean have strong love of something, strong interest in something, generally makes someone interesting. Someone who has a passion for flowers can probably make the subject interesting. Even though I'm not particularly interested in flowers, 
But I'll bet if I were with somebody who was passionate about them, they, there's a good chance they could hold my interest. So usually the, the person didn't have passion about just about anything. The other thing was they talked about themselves most of the time, which unless they have an exceedingly different and interesting life, is just not that interesting. You, it, you are, uh, narcissism is boring. Let me put it to you that way. Preoccupation with you may interest you, but it doesn't interest anybody else. So those were the two things that helped me understand that. Then I had another issue when I realized, for example, when I was in college, I remember thinking, and in fact, in high school, when a teacher was boring, I remember exactly what I thought. Does he know he's boring? Or does he think he's interesting? And I still don't know the answer to that. Does a boring lecturer know that they're boring? I don't know the answer. I would like to ask them, but it's insulting, and I don't like to insult people. But I really would like to know that answer. But I came to realize over, the, and it took me a long time in life, beyond the, the, the boring date issue, to realize how important being interesting is. And it's something everybody should think about. First of all, people gravitate to interesting people because they love to be interested. It's exciting. I realized another thing. When I was, this happened in college. There were courses I took because I had to take them. They were required courses, or there were courses I took, and they weren't on subjects I was terribly interested in. But a good teacher made a subject I couldn't care less about fascinating. And a bad teacher made subjects that I was fascinated about boring. So what made the at least the coursework interesting was the teacher, not the subject. Any subject can be interesting in the right person's hands, and any subject can be boring, no matter how interesting, in the wrong person's hands. I make a living, I'm be totally open with you, I make a living being interesting. I'm a talk show host. I have to be interesting three hours a day, every day, or I look for other work. Because <laughs> people won't listen, and then advertisers won't have anybody to sell their products to, so I lose my job. So I know, you know, from the very real sense of making a living that it's important. But even if you don't make a living, it's very important to be interesting. So if you're preoccupied with yourself, you're not going to be interesting. Now, everybody cares about themselves, and they should. But that's a big difference. I, I For example, a big difference between your preoccupation with yourself and everybody else's preoccupation with you, which is normally not there. So you have to start speaking about something other than yourself, <coughs> excuse me, to be interesting. It can't just be about you. It's just, unless, again, you know, if you, you know, you just came from a war zone, uh, people aren't all that interested. You've, you've got to have thoughts on other subjects and, they, and the thoughts have to be interesting. By the way, just as a parenthetical, Here's a very important tip, which I picked up I because I, I, I thought about these things as, as a young man. And I realized you, you should almost have a timer in your brain 
or maybe even a timer in your hand if you need one, how long you should talk before you stop talking. If people want you to talk more, they'll ask you a question. But otherwise, you have to stop at a given point, at a dinner party, for example. You just have to stop. Then ask someone a question about them, or about their life, or about their view on something. As interesting as you find yourself, uh, not everybody may be in agreement. So that's very important. I knew a man very well. I was related to him. That's all I'll say. Who thought he was extremely interesting. Sometimes he was, sometimes he wasn't. And I'll never forget one evening I was present when a man he met for the first time for this dinner get-together got up at the end of the evening and we all said goodbye and looked at this man and said his first name, we'll call him Steve. Steve, it's a pleasure listening to you. Most people say, right, it's a pleasure speaking with you. That guy was very sharp. He said, Steve, it's a pleasure listening to you. I got the dig. Steve didn't. Steve thought it was a compliment. That's the funny, that's the funny thing. But it wasn't a compliment. It was because all he had to do all night, this poor guy, was listen to Steve. So to be interesting, you have to know when to keep quiet, no matter how interesting you are. Again, if people are interested, they'll ask you more. So then you speak another another minute. I don't know what the number is, but it, it should be a in-your-brain fixed, now I will stop. Much better that people clamor for more than they think you have gone on too long. That's a very big and important rule about speaking. A lot, a lot of, not a lot, but if, you know, a certain number of young people have asked me, they said, they, oh, I'd like to be a talk show host. What should I do? How do I know if I could do it? I said, that's very easy. Go into a room alone, have a seat, and then start talking and be interesting for three hours. If you can do that, you might be a talk show host. And half the people who, that, who hear that say, mm, I, don't, I don't think this is for me. It's, it's a pretty tall order to be interesting for three hours. So it's a very big deal being interesting. I'll give you another example. I am into classical music. Very, very much so. I conduct orchestras periodically. That's how much into it I am. And I have heard, let's take a famous thing, like a Beethoven symphony. Let's take Beethoven's ninth or Beethoven's fifth. I have probably heard that each of those symphonies hundreds and hundreds of times. What makes, a, what's the difference between a really good performance and a mediocre performance? One thing. Interesting. And that's not even words. That's music. That's, that was really a revelation to me because I kept asking myself, gee, why do I prefer this conductor over that conductor? And I realized because this conductor made a piece interesting and this conductor didn't. Interesting is a very big deal in life. And a big key to it, <coughs> a big key, <clears throat> excuse me, is are you interested in a, a lot of things? Have you thought things through? Are you well-read? Have you thought things through? Have you asked big questions? That's what, that's part of it. 
when my kids, if my kids would ever say to me, dad, I'm bored. You know what my answer was to my kids? No, you're not. You're boring. And it worked. A, I got the message across because interesting people are never bored. Non-interesting people, people who are not interested in much, get bored. But not, but not people who are interested. In order to be interesting, you have to be interested. And you can't just be interested in movies. That's fine. Or video games. Yes, yeah, so at a video games convention, you are the star of the table. But elsewhere, most people probably won't find that all that interesting. So the trick is to develop interests and think things through. And the more you think, the more interesting you will get. So all of these put together are a great lesson in life. And again, the problem is we don't have enough loving critics in our life. People who love us don't criticize, and people who don't love us, they, they, might, they, they, they might criticize, but we won't take the criticism seriously. The people we'll take criticism seriously from won't, generally won't criticize us, or they're afraid to. But that's a, that's a big help. Again, by the way, I had mentioned in a previous incarnation of the, of the uh, fireside chat that if you write, you can see if you think clearly, but you can also see if you're interesting. I, uh, I spend most of the time in my writing getting rid of sentences. If I've made the point, I end the, se- I end the paragraph. It's over. I, I, the, one of the biggest compliments I get for my writing is when people say, you know, I started underlining in things that you said that I thought were important, and I realized I was underlining too much. That's a good sign, because I want everything, every sentence, I don't want any fat in the, in the writing. That, that's how I look at it. You know what else I do, by the way? It's just a little trick of mine. I get rid of adjectives. I almost never write with adjectives. I let the reader supply the adjectives, and then that makes it more interesting, the reading. So think about that. Are you interesting? Ask a friend and say, I'm not going to be hurt. I just want to know, you know, tell me, do you, do you, and, and what do you find interesting? And then you should analyze what do you find interesting in people you find interesting, and what do you find uninteresting in people you find uninteresting? But the key is interested and to have that little timer in your brain when you stop talking. That's key. Okie doke. On to your questions. There we go. Wayne in Grinnell, Iowa. 35. The other day a co-worker said morality is a subjective thing. That didn't sound right to me, though. Is morality an objective thing? Why or why not? Well, yeah. If morality is subjective, then there's no such thing as morality, is there? Your morality is your morality, and my morality is my morality. Right? I think green is nicer than blue. You think red is nicer than yellow. 
I think murder is bad, you think murder is nice, then it's it's all it's all it's all subjective. Either either there's moral truth or there's no such thing as morality. We have mathematical truth, we have scientific truth, we have historical truth. But what about moral truth? Are certain things objectively wrong? Well, here's the thing. They're only objectively wrong if there is something that is higher than humans from which it emanates. And atheist philosophers have acknowledged that. If there is no God that says do not murder, murder wrong is an opinion, not a fact. I have a video on that. If there is no God, is murder wrong? Is that the name of it? Is that uh, something like that? I think that is. And it's five minutes, like all our videos, and it's worth looking at. All right. Lois, 83. Ooh, don't get many 83-year-olds. Uh, uh, happy to have you, Lois. South Bend, Indiana. I used to be active in many things. Now in my 80s, how can I still make a difference? Well, I don't know what, it, what difference it makes what, what age you are. I don't know why you why is it easier to make a difference at 43 than 83? If you want to make a difference, you make a difference. What does make a difference mean? It means you're touching a human life. In fact, I've often thought, I've thought this in my young days, I thought we really waste uh, all the, uh, not all, we waste a lot of old people's talents in this country. Why aren't they all, or nearly all of them, why aren't they working with kids? They have time on their hands. Kids need mentors. My parents mentored inner-city kids in New Jersey till they died. My father did it in his 90s. My mother did it in her 80s. She died at 89. And they made a big difference. Those kids loved them. And they loved making a difference in those kids' lives. That's what make a difference means. Make a difference means make a difference in, in people's lives. That's the biggest area. You can make a difference in a good cause. So I, I with, with great respect to you for even caring about the question, nevertheless, I don't fully understand it. What's to stop you? People, people need people. And you can touch people. Maybe you have grandchildren make a difference in their lives, or great-grandchildren, or your your a grandniece, and of course non-relatives like my parents did. Kyle, sixteen, in New York. What was the most significant historic event that you have witnessed in your lifetime? Woo. Was the most significant historic event? that I witnessed. Well, the first thing, oh, I'll tell you, I think two things. Yeah, two things come to mind. Doesn't mean, if I thought about this, I might come up with a different answer, but off the top of my head, there were two things. I was very young when it happened, but it made a huge impact, not only on me, but, but on society. The assassination of John F. Kennedy. That was huge. You can date much of America's downhill, and I think it's gone downhill in many ways since then, uh, to the Kennedy assassination. And I have a theory on that. 
a lot of people don't believe that Lee Harvey Oswald killed him, or at least didn't, was not the only one involved. And I know why people don't want to believe that Lee Harvey Oswald was alone. It is too painful to realize what one loser could do to a whole society. The damage that a nothing, and Lee Harvey Oswald <coughs> was a nothing. And it's disturbing how much damage a nothing can do. Anyway, the other one was 9-11. Uh, that was shattering, that there are people who, in the name of their God, would do such evil, and it was, it, 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 it inaugurated an era of realization that there are, unfortunately, millions, tens of millions of people out there, Islamic extremists, obviously not all Muslims, who truly believe that God wants them to do evil. And if you read my, my book, the, the Rational Bible, and if you watch my video on the Ten Commandments, I make the case that the worst sin a person can do is evil in God's name. An atheist who, who murders has done terrible evil. But a religious person who murders has done twice as much evil. They've not only killed their victim, they've killed their God, as it were. The biggest obstacle to a lot of people taking religion seriously is that there are bad religious people. Oh, here's another one that raises the Bible. Oh, what Myers-Briggs personality type are you? Adam, 18, in Texas. I have no idea. Do people know? Yeah, you take the test? I'll take the test. What are the options? I'll just give you one right now. There's 16. There's 16? So not that simple. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have to say this. Uh, I have to see it before I judge. But there are a lot of these things I'm very uh, suspicious about. I'm really not sure that they're all that accurate. Or, for be or even better, all that important. For example, I have no idea what my IQ is. And not only that, I have no interest in what my IQ is. I'm not even curious. I'm not curious about my own sons, my own children's IQs. And I'll tell you why. It doesn't matter. You... you I've never met a person with a, with a brain that was defective. Everyone I, I, I talk to, I've talked to people my whole life, 33 years on radio, people have called in on every single show. I have met, I have encountered people who don't think clearly, but I've never encountered someone who didn't understand something. People have perfectly fine brains, unless obviously they're, they're born with, with some brain defect. People are smart enough. The problem with people is not that they're not smart, it's that they're not clear, that they don't have common sense, or they don't utilize common sense, that they are, that they are psychologically impaired from thinking clearly. They think with their emotions, not their mind. There are a whole host of reasons 
that people don't have that don't don't use their brains well. But the problem is not IQ. The only time IQ matters, I imagine, is uh, figuring out uh, great e- complex equations in physics. I assume you need a high IQ to do that. But that's a tiny percentage of humanity. The rest of us have to work out how to deal with life. And that's not an IQ question. So that's my take on that sort of thing. Iona, 17 in Florida. How come we get cities for everybody, but not every, for most people, but not everybody? No reason? Where are you in Florida, Iona? What is your favorite person from the Bible and why? That's an interesting question. My favorite person. Hmm. I don't know if I have a favorite person. Favorite person. Hmm. Well, I, I have a certain affection for the serpent in the Genesis story. I, I, it's, it's a strange reaction. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. You know who I like? Rahab, the prostitute who uh, let the Hebrews into Canaan. Hey, that woman must have been something very special. God chooses a prostitute to save his people. She's got to have a lot on the ball. No pun intended. No, no dirty talk here. Just anyway, I don't, I don't know if I have a, a favorite person. There, there, there are different ca- characters that are, that I'm impressed by for different reasons, and um, I just don't know. I. I have an affection for Moses because of, you know, I mean, he did so much and he he was such a a history changer and he had such a difficult task taking a bunch of complaining ex-slaves into freedom is not fun. I, uh, I really like the, the midwives who defied Pharaoh. If you don't know that story, Pharaoh, the Egyptian king, at a certain point of the Hebrew slaves or Israelite slaves in Egypt, tells midwives to kill every male Hebrew baby, drown them in the Nile. And the midwives, who are, uh, to me, undoubtedly uh, Egyptian, it's not 100% clear, but I I make the evidence in my commentary on the book of Exodus, the, the rational Bible. Uh, they they defied the Pharaoh. They they must have been very impressive women. It's like it's like a German who defied Hitler. Those those are my some of my favorite people who ever lived. How we doing, gentlemen? All right. Okay. Let's see here. Mike, 15, in Wittensville, Massachusetts. Since I'm 15 and I have a job, I have to pay taxes even though I can't vote. Is this fair? You're kidding me. You shouldn't have to pay taxes on your income because you don't vote? Hey, I'll stop voting. That would be awesome. If I don't vote, do I have to pay taxes? Uh... And what this is what we call 
and I'm not knocking you, I'm, I'm commending you for even asking it and for watching these things. Most 15-year-olds are playing video games or, or God knows what. So, hey, you're, you're, you're okay in my book. But what you have here is a sort of non-sequitur. Non-sequitur means where A is not related to B. The right to vote is different from the obligation to pay taxes on income. One has nothing to do with the other. The reason that you're not allowed to vote before 18 is we don't believe that people under 18 have the wisdom and knowledge to do so. It doesn't take wisdom and knowledge to pay taxes. You might as well say, hey, um, I, am, I, I can't vote. Why am I obligated to, uh, uh, you know, why am I obligated to, to, to cross a, a, at a green light? Why can't I cross the street on a red light? Because one has nothing to do with the other. You, there are certain obligations every citizen has, and there are certain obligations that some citizens have at a certain age. And, and that's, uh, that's it. Now, if you want to ask me, a, there's a, which you did, but if you did want to ask me, is it fair that you pay taxes on income as opposed to pay taxes on what you spend? There you will have a very supportive me. I believe that the income tax is uh, certainly at, cer at given rates is a form of legalized theft. And it is. I mean, everybody knows that. You, you are, you're at gunpoint, your money is being taken from you. You don't pay it, you go to jail. And so uh, I believe we should all pay taxes. I'm not an anarchist. But I think it, we should be taxed not on what we make, but on what we spend. That would be great for the economy be great for people to be able to keep their money and save. And uh, th there are a whole host of reasons why I would prefer that. But that's beyond the scope of your question. And finally, uh, let's see here. Chris22 in our Arcata or Arcata. It's a T, so I, it might be Arcata. Or maybe it was written wrong. I know there's an Ar oh, there's an Arcadia, not Arcadia. Okay. I guess it's Arcata. How can young people bring bipartisanship together in a polarized town or university? Mm, I don't have an answer for that, because that's not the question I, I really ask. Let's be honest. The only way to bring people together is have everybody share the same values. And since everybody wants everybody to share the values they hold, <laughs> so it's, it's, there's never going to be unity because everybody wants unity on their terms. Right? Makes perfect sense. I would love Americans to all be unified on, on the value system that I hold. I don't want Americans unified on a value system I don't hold. So you should, you should, what you should do is Learn how to make the case for your value system and show it's good for everybody. That's my belief. That's the, one of the biggest beliefs of my life. I think that American values are for good for everybody. The American trinity of liberty and God we trust, e pluribus unum. And, I, and I, my religious values, that there is one God who wants us all to be good. It's called ethical monotheism. That's good for everybody. And I wish we, we could unite on that. But um, 
It's not going to happen in your lifetime. Okay. What did I open up with today? Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. Let me know how you react to this stuff. Thanks for being with me. I'm Dennis.